listening to Barstool Bender. Welcome back to Barstool Banter. With us today, we have Daryl Scott and Dave Anderson from the band American Ego. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. And Thanks. Thanks for having us. Anytime. Well, let's get this uh, party going with our traditional opening shot, and then we'll start doing them every 15 minutes after that. And we are doing this in honor of our... Yep. Uh, today, we this podcast is dedicated to one of our biggest fans who passed away three and a half weeks ago. Um, Dad, thank you very much for supporting us for this year of shenanigans. All right, so to begin with, um, we'd like to get a little background on our guest, Dave, and how you started in the music industry. Everybody my age, watching the Beatles. Watching the Beatles, biggest inspiration for you? Yeah. And so how many bands have you been in? I've been in five and got kicked out of four. Been in five, kicked out? <laughs> well, I started them. You started them. <laughs> and they kicked me out, yeah. Well, you're, That gives you a little idea. I can definitely tell the Beatles was your inspiration. So you're kind of like <laughs> Pete Best that way. <laughs> yeah. Pete Worst. <laughs> and so uh how many years have you been in the music industry we're gonna age him right here yeah i uh my first band was probably in 80 in 80 what uh what was the name of that band i don't think we had well we had uh like five of them in one night five five names of yeah because we didn't have a name so he's what's your name you know, so we made up every time we took a break we had another name I like that. It is pretty odd. And kind of confusing as well. Oh, yeah. They, uh, did, they didn't know who to hate. Yeah. <laughs> How do we book you? No idea. <laughs> Keeps the child support payments off your back that way. <laughs> yeah, it really does. And the IRS. Uh, were you in this band? No, no. I was in this band. <laughs> and so what are some of your most uh, interesting moments on stage? Yeah, you know, I, uh, some kids asked me to play Metallica, and I says, I don't play music like that, but they... Uh, kneeled down before me and waved towels after I played a lead. It was my first one I ever played in public. Nice. Great job. And so now, Daryl, you have had a very interesting life before American Ego. Uh, being in the Marine Corps, uh, happy belated Marine Corps birthday and Vets Day, by the way. Thank you. Um, what can you tell us about uh, your time in the service? Very interesting. Um... I don't know when I left out of here, it was like the loose economy was really, really crappy back in the late 70s, early 80s. You know? So it wasn't really anything to do. And I was hanging out with some guys that were kind of not the most upstanding citizens, you know. Like, so I figured I'd better get lost for a while. And I was thinking, hmm, we were sitting, actually, we're sitting one night, came from the bar, we're sitting there doing our nightly bong, and we had just finished listening to. Uh, um, side of Dr. Hook and Medicine show and uh, I watched TV a little bit and a commercial came on it was a Marine Corps commercial I looked at my roommate and I go we ought to join the Marines he goes you wanna? and I go yeah and I go, what if it? he goes yeah you do it I'll do it you know it turned into a dare well needless to say when it was time to go I went and he stayed of course so but uh, yeah I ended up out in San Diego for boot camp that was kind of cool out there you know it was uh April when I left out of here. Okay. So 
you know, Minnesota in April going to California. I go, how bad can it get? You know, well. Boot camp. Yeah. They can get, they can get that. <laughs> in May and yeah. June, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was kind of interesting. No, it, was, it was fun. I was, excuse me, I was stationed out in uh, boot camp, like I said, in San Diego. You know, right. Um, it's a beautiful base. Went to uh, Camp Pendleton for infantry training school. And then I uh, got sent back down to San Diego for sea service indoctrination. They used to have Marines on aircraft carriers at the time. And so, you know, the big parade deck where you see Gomer Pyle walking on in the middle of that, that was like I was one of the buildings at the end of that thing. So, you know, uh, passed sea school. And I wound up uh, doing Marine detachment duty on the USS Nimitz. It's one of the original supercarriers. Mm-hmm. That was a prototype, actually, for the last class of supercarriers before they went to the Ford class. But So it was like a couple of years old, or second cruise when I was on it. So got to be in a movie called The Final Countdown. Well, I kind of gave up my part going and chasing my high school honey. You know, filming went over into my leave time, and I was like... Honey, or stay around with these guys. So I had flights booked cross country, so I just split. And but yeah, that was really interesting. Um, we were while I was on the Nimitz, we were part of the uh, Operation Evening Light. It was a rescue attempt for the American hostages in Iran. Okay. So uh, at that time, when it first started, uh, I've got a photo of me with uh, Saddam Hussein. Believe it or not, we were oh, doing hey. full honors for him. Um, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Hey, we don't like that guy next door. You want to come on over and help us out? So, you know, was in on that. That was kind of interesting, too. You know, work with Delta Force. You know, we just guarded their gear, you know, but still, you know, I mean, now that I look back on that, I was like, the hell was I into it? 18, 19 years old, so yeah. was letting me guard a nuclear weapon. I mean, <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, you know, so, but anyway. That's, that's, why, that's, that's like why I was going to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Dave had bone spurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'd probably pull the same thing. Uh, and how many years were you in the Marines? Uh, four active, uh, two reserve. Four active, two reserve. So I did, um, let's see, what do they call them? There's a blue nose and a shellback. Those are nautical things people have ever been on board ship and everything. And blue nose is anyone who sailed across the Arctic, into the Arctic Circle. Mm-hmm. Okay, a shellback, you're polywog before you sail across the equator. And once you do that, then you're a shellback when you come back over, you know, you make the transit, once you make the transit, you're a shellback. So I'm a blue nose and a double shellback because I've been in the Arctic, crossed the equator a few times, you know, Gulf of Oman, sailed down the Suez Canal. Um, so you literally seen the world. Uh, you- kind of a little bit of it, a little bit of it, you know, Mediterranean side of it all and stuff, you know. So now, um, obviously, you know, you being on a ship, you have, you pull into different ports. Any crazy stories in some, during some of your shore leave? Oh, uh, let's see. Where was that? I think we got to Cairo or Alexandria, one of those. I think we pulled into Alex, Alexandria, Egypt, and uh, we went to the Marine barracks, all the Marines. We got off to off ship and we got off like 10 in the morning, you know. So went to the Marine barracks and they're like, hey, guys, make your own drinks. And, you know, we're uh, young bucks next to, you know, and not professional bartenders by any means. So we're concocting all kinds of stuff. And um, after a while, people go, I'm not drinking that. It's like, well, you ain't going to waste it. You poured it. So then um, last thing I remembered was being put in a horse-drawn carriage. Well, after they picked me up (laughs) off the bathroom floor in uniform, wallowing in all sorts of 
swampy floor stuffing them in the bathroom, you know. Picked me up, took me out, stuck me in a horse-drawn carriage and told them to take me to the landing where we got our boats, the motor whaleboats, out to the aircraft carrier because the aircraft carrier is on anchor like a mile and a half offshore, you know. And I was just shitty face. So they went to put me in the front of the boat and uh, you have to wear the life preservers, you know. So they got a brand new, most brightest orange, biggest thing they could put me right in front of the boat. And then they kept going and heading into the waves. <laughs> trying to get me sick or whatever, you know, because uh, at that time with air wing on the aircraft carrier, there's like uh, something like 8,000 people on it at one time and like 6,000 or close 8,000 sailors with air wing. And then there was only 80 Marines. So we we're a very small specialized unit. You know, if you see on TV when something goes down in the, Guys, make a hole, get leapfrogging down the halls and all yeah. that kind of stuff. That's what I did. But uh, so when they got me, uh, we also ran the ship's brig. So <laughs> when they got me in a compromised situation, they were more than happy to try to torture me as <laughs> if they could get something <laughs> out of me. So but I, got, I made it back to the boat, didn't get too sick and straightened my stuff up. And, you know, you have to request permission to come aboard. And I gave them my snappiest salute and I'm covered in urine and whatever else from laying on the floor request permission to come aboard wave me on but we used to have a saying in the corps it's like I may crawl home but I'll crawl home like a marine (laughs) (laughs) and so now marines they're they're known for doing very stupid things that danger their lives while drinking Uh, what stories can you tell us you're still doing them well there's um, (laughs) actually there's a website called grunt games if you want to check that out, you will find out that it doesn't take long for Marines to get bored, and they will do almost anything. Now, this is without alcohol. Come around the corner one day, and these two guys are out in the, in the lawn of the barracks, and they're going, with a snag. All right, so they're seeing who could spit a snag highest up in the air and catch it in their mouth. Oh, gosh. And I stopped, and I'm looking at these guys like, Really? Like, yeah. And the guy goes, he spit his out. He goes, hey, shoot it to me. So these guys, I kid you not, they're playing catch mouth to mouth with a snag. <laughs> oh. Couldn't they find like a cherry pit or something? No. That's all like, these I mean, these are anything marine corps infantry i'm telling you lung biscuits yep oh hey eat this dairy to eat that what do you give me 10 bucks okay that might be just, the you know second most grossest thing we've heard on this podcast yeah. i'm just saying man and that's that's some of the tamer stuff it's <laughs> gonna be edited out no 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 <laughs> that is some of the tamer in trouble things, now daryl let's see drunk let's see it was my birthday we were getting ready to go on a Mediterranean float or cruise at home and um, we had to do rifle range, you know, training, you know, qualification before you go. So we're detached to Little Creek Amphibious Base Rifle Range, you know. And um, it was my birthday, so I had a ball at Cuervo, everybody's favorite. And me and about five other guys were out getting drunk and we slammed that on the way to the club. Let's see, we ended up um, getting thrown out of the enlisted men's club. Somebody did some vandalism on the back of him. Guy knew karate, so he decided to show us how good he was by kicking and chopping the whole railing, wooden railing off the from the second story down. 
Then, um, let's see, went down to the beach club, decided to have a race, so racing and tipping over, you had to tip over a picnic table as you got to it in this race down the beach and back. So then after we got back from the race, it was like, bury the bodies, take a 50-gallon drum, tug a hole, bury the 50-gallon drum, had that buried in like, I don't know, maybe less than a minute or so, you know, five, six guys digging. So then all of a sudden, um, see headlights and it's the naval security guys, master at arms, and they're like, what's going on here? Nothing. So then, well, it's with the tables. So they made us go down and turn all the tables back up. And uh, then the guy was counting garbage cans, and there's one missing. We never did fess up to where the garbage can was, so I don't know if they ever found that thing. But it was like, all right, get out of here. So we left, decided to go back to the enlisted men's club that we were already kicked out of. Got kicked out of there again. So then they called the oh, did master. They, did they serve you again? No, they just okay. get out. All right. <laughs> so then the master. I was going to say, that's your fault. If you <laughs> serve a Marine again after you kick him out. Yeah. yeah. So then naval security chases us back to the barracks that we were staying at. And, you know, and we make it to the barracks and everybody runs in. And we just found any empty rack that was, you know, bed that wasn't occupied. Jumped in it, pulled the covers off, played sleep. And they came in. Couldn't move. No, first time we were, we were all looking on the window and they're, and we're talking to them. Okay, okay, we're cool, we're cool, we're cool. They're like, we have to come back, you know, whatever. So the uh, guy who was supposed to be in charge of this, the sergeant, Carter. fuck you, squids. You know, he said that to the naval police. They didn't like that too much. So next thing you know, they charged the building. So we went in and jumped in the racks and everybody's hiding out. We thought we were smart, but they were a little smarter because they just turned on the lights and made everybody get up, <laughs> sleeping around. Every, you know, there's like, 60 guys, everybody up, everybody, right? And then, oh, 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 and everybody that was close just happens to be the same guys from the Marine Detachment. So uh, I talked them out of taking the sergeant to the brig, which in hindsight, I probably should have let him take him because uh, I protected him. And when we get back to the ship the next day after all this is done, they've got to answer because it's everything's logged in a logbook and everything. So, you know, they got to answer to how this happened and why and who, whatever. And the sergeant goes, I wouldn't have been involved except for Lance Corporal, did it? So, you know, that's the only reason he was involved. So it ended up costing me some uh, non-judicial punishment and loss of a stripe and stuff eventually. But, you know, or once a Marine, twice a civilian, because there are people, it's like any other job. You know, you have the hierarchy or the ass kissers that'll, throw you under the bus and they'll lie on you and whatever and I was going to Canada (laughs) (laughs) but the problem with the military is the only recourse you have is to go through that person who is above you to talk to their boss everybody's got a boss I should say but they get to sanitize the information or do it like they want to you know so like when I finally ended up uh, getting charged with AWOL three days before we hit port so I got charged AWOL in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> board how, does, ship. how can you be AWOL aboard a ship? Yeah. I wasn't where they said I should be when they said I should be there. And I was actually where I was supposed to be, if that makes any sense. But they also tell you, in the military, it's best to follow your last order first. I don't care what anybody else told you. What did I tell you? All right. And I fell for that thing and... Yeah, charged me with AWOL, and I was one level up with the 
rest of the guys that I had been relegated to laundry detail with as a culmination of all these prior incidents, you know, and I got, I was putting up my radio, put up the clothes and radio, ran into one of the sergeants. What are you doing back here? You're supposed to be in this class and it's a basic health and hygiene, brush your teeth, you know, wash your fuzzies, whatever. And I go, oh no, I'm a child. He goes, yeah, whatever. I go, no, seriously, left, got my food, sat down with the other guys. And they must've been waiting on me because they let the class out. And uh, one of the guys from class comes up and he goes, hey, Scott, I heard you got wrote up. And I'm like, what? He goes, no way, that's all. He goes, serious. So I go down and find the gunnery sergeant. I go, what's going on, Gunny? He goes, well, told you to go to that class and you didn't. So you were AWOL from that class and you disobeyed a lawful order. And I, I told him what happened. He goes, well, I'll talk to the old man, but I may take my time. And I was, you know, thought he was just razzing me. Yeah. Like I said, three days before we pulled into port in Norfolk, I was stood in captain's mass before commander of the USS Nimitz, call it kangaroo court, hop you in, tell you what you did wrong, hop you out. You know, and it's like, yeah, so I got busted a stripe and, you know, kind of soured me a little bit on that part of it all, but... Perfect oxymoron, yeah. military intelligence. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And, you know, the funny part about that was um, as we were talking, you know, I think I, they got to say their part, I got to say my part. And the only thing the ship's captain uh, had to say to me was, who do you expect me to believe? And had I been in port, I could get a JAG officer, you know, like, you know, go get, or I could have hired a naval, uh, you know, hire a private officer, I mean, a private lawyer. You know, so okay, there's all sorts of other representation, but there's a clause when you're on a boat at sea, Captain Reign Supreme. It's like the mutiny clause. Yeah. Yeah, Captain Reign Supreme. So they'll, every little thing you did, whether you're screwing off, uh, did something wrong while you're in another country or, you know, missed your duty station or slept in, you know, whatever, whatever, all that. They'll just <laughs> save all that stuff up. Surfboard and on the limits. And right before you get the port, they'll run you through office hours and, a lot of guys weren't too happy, but I lived it, survived it. So, uh, how, you were in for four years, two years reserved. Uh, what what got you into the uh, music business? Believe it or not, long, long hours at sea. Because uh, all you do is, um, on a boat, they have these things. That we call them coffins. But the racks, the sleeping systems, they're like six feet by maybe two feet, one foot and a half, two feet. And that's your little area. You lift the mattress up, and there's a little drawer area in there for keeping your stuff, and you have a locker. That is your world. So all you can do is get away from everything and everybody. Climb in there, pull your little curtain shut, and you're going to smell the guy below you farting and the guy above you dangling his nasty, stinky feet and underwear drying and all that kind of stuff. But put your headphones on and, you know, look at your pictures. You got pasted up there at home and... Susie riding crotches, they used to call her, and all that other stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, well, dream. He dream, had Elvis. Dream of other things. Elvis. Oh, nah, not. But yeah, I'd, you know, listen to music. Then um, sometimes, you know, a few of the guys, they'd get together and do the little doo wop acapella stuff, you know. So so when I started doing that, but um, yeah, I listened to a lot of different music. My family's kind of always been in music, though, too, mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, just aficionados and stuff. Then um, one day I was down at the old Twins bar, and this guy, he goes, hey, man, um, 
we're jamming over my house. You want to come over? And I'm like, I don't know. I want to put them off for a couple of weeks, you know. Then uh, finally one day, let's go. Yeah, I was going to go over there and see what they're going to do. Karaoke boy. And uh, this other guy. That is, is that how you found him? He was doing karaoke in the bar? Oh, no. That's well, that's how I found out he could kind of sing. Okay. He still hasn't got it done. <laughs> I notice he's flicking you off while scratching his face. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I um, don't care. Well, I hate to interrupt real quick. Uh, we've asked, actually surpassed him. Shot, Shot time? By uh, several minutes. Okay. That's a foul. Foul. Oh, no, it is a foul. Shot clock uh, um, violation. Kangaroo court? I think we're doing another uh, another shot of tequila. So well, that's what I'm doing. You yeah, guys I'm, feel free. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see if the saying's true. You know, one tequila, two tequila, three tequila floor. Where we're going to find out. As long as he ain't saying tequila makes his clothes fall up. I will find that <laughs> out too, sir. <laughs> You've probably seen worse things in the Marine Corps, but probably not oh, yeah, too many probably. of them. Yeah, not, too many, not, not too many worse things you didn't want naked. to mention. <laughs> <laughs> Even my doctor doesn't want to see me naked. So, hey, I'm so long? lucky. <laughs> <laughs> You are. So, how long have you guys been playing together? Was that 91, I think it was? Something like that? That's Something what the poster like said. Without a net? Yeah. All right, well, back to that story, though. So, they invite me over, and I get there, and there's, like, a bass player and a drummer and all this. And I'm like, oh, well, what's going on here? And it's like, the other guy, Joey, comes up to me. Hey, got a question for you. I go, what's that? He goes, so you sing, huh? And I go, a little bit. And he goes, how many songs you know? I go, I don't know. Few here and there, I just think karaoke and in the shower. Yeah, and he goes, "62 songs." Think you can think you can learn th- like uh, three or five more. And I'm like, "I suppose." He goes, "Well, deal is we want you to kind of get in band together. We want you to be our front man." And I'm like, "What?" You know, I, I sing karaoke in the shower, and he goes, "Oh, it gets better." And I go, "What's that?" He goes, "Well, we already have a gig." You know, <laughs> it's like, well, that's coming on kind of fast, you know, and it's like, well, I guess so. Um, that was in September. Did you just find we, pictures of you on the Internet and superimpose them on somebody's body to like and, and Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> no, we ended up uh, getting together at Dave's house in the you know, basement for a while there. And uh, like I think it was mid-September when this started and we had to do like a hour on New Year's. So we had that, you know, from September to two and a half months or so to get it together. And it was kind of funny because him and this other guy, the other bass player, he's, I think he's still got stage fright kind of. He'll play like this one, look at anybody. And, you know, we're out there for the gig and everybody's hiding behind the speakers. And I, all I got is this little microphone to hide behind. And I'm like, holy crap. Well, I'm glad the lights are coming right in my face because it kind of blocks out everything, you know. You can't see anybody, you know. And so we kind of hacked our way through a song or two and then next thing you know, everybody was getting a little comfortable and starting to feel it. You know, we got about four or five songs into it and then they cut us off earlier than we were supposed to be done, but that might be a good thing too because you know, the hook had been set a little bit there, you know, that where you know, you're supposed to leave them wanting more but it kind of that uh, instant kind of left us wanting more a little bit. So, you know, kind of pursued a little farther after that. So what was the first song you did on stage then? Hold <laughs> me a dime, wasn't it? I don't know. I was in shock. Do you remember any of the songs <laughs> from that day? I think we did Loan Me a Dime by uh, 
Boss Gangs. He didn't originally write it, but that's where I first got it from. Okay. Dwayne Alban played guitar on it. So it's pretty cool. We still do it. Well, uh, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, shots. shots. I forgot about shots. What was your shots. dad's name? Uh, Dan. 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 Our number one fan. Family you know, Meow Boys. Fan Dan. Dan. Uh, so, what, you, what kind of what genre do you guys typically stick with? Me and Daryl like singing the blues, but our uh, our new guys like uh, more rock and roll stuff. So we got got to switch it up. Okay. And you guys play a lot at RT Quinlan's and um, what other bars like locally do you guys hit? We were first band to play at Roscoe's when they opened uh, yeah, as Roscoe's. When Ross took over, yeah, we were first. Actually, yeah, we played there. Was our was the first? We were their first band, and then like a year later, he had. It was after Homegrown, and he had had a issue with the band. The band got into it with the crowd, playing too while long. playing Homegrown, and got an argument with the crowd. And so. The, People went and complained to the owner, so the owner goes to whichever band it was playing and tried to reason with them, and the band told him, well, screw you, this homegrown, you got to do what we say and go by homegrown rules, and he goes, really, watch this, went and unplugged them and told me, get the hell out, and so, he, so <laughs> the next year we had tried to get it homegrown, I thought about it, and um, just kind of danced around it. It was too late by the time I wanted to sign us up for it. And so then I went and talked to Ross, and I go, Hey, uh, you got any, a band coming this weekend or anything? From that? And that's when he told me the story. And so he goes, I go, can we play? He goes, sure. So we actually, that year, we kind of opened up Homegrown. We kind of like anti- hijacked it. It was an anti-Homegrown performance. So the day before they even started, we had live music at Roscoe. So that was kind of cool. You just out-hipstered hipster. Yeah, I know. We I just, yeah. No, we were just beat them to the punch. We're, you know? we're too edgy for Homegrown. And so, yeah. In <laughs> Duluth. Then, um, you know how they have the, their Homegrown chicken? I found one of those little wind-up wind little peep little things. I had that on my microphone. <laughs> But yeah, we played. Uh, we were first to play up at the uh, Shriners Odd Temple when they opened that up. Um, we had done a private gig for a friend of mine down at the depot. It was a theme wedding, which was really really cool. You know, they had it all like looked like Casablanca, and everybody's in all this all vintage clothing and zoot suits and fedoras and everything. And we got to play down there for that in actually in cool. the depot. And it was really, really cold that night. But coldest night of the in the year. like down where the trains are. Or in no, the, well, they the, had the, the main... wedding where the trains were. Yeah. They backed uh, one of the cars up and they used that as the altar. And they had the chairs all out, and the ushers were dressed as porters or uh, you know you know so you know and they're they're um, Pullman Pullman yeah. and then the invitations were uh, like boarding passes. It was, it was just really, really well done. And then we moved the upstairs to the front entrance area. They had it set up with, you know, the big bulb light, you know, yeah. light stands and, you know, big fronds in the middle of the tables and, you know, white white lightning around and do sets that came and put a nice one of tins up inside of it. So it looked like it was an outdoor event, but we played there. And um, one of the guests, he was a voting um, friend of the father of the bride, and so he saw us and he goes, hey, you guys are pretty good. You want to 
do you do book gigs, uh, private gigs? He goes, sure. And so it turns out he was the potentate for the uh, Shriners in town here. You know, it's a grand pool of the Shriners. Yeah. And so each year they have to throw a ball up at the, and this was the first year they started up there. And so he invited us up and hired us to play up there. I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm just going to let y'all know. The ball is a dance. I know. I'm oh, going to let oh, you know okay. where the left brain went. Left brain went to, why are they going to throw a ball? I mean, <laughs> like a football? <laughs> like the first pitch at a game or? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Three tequilas. Yeah. <laughs> so not quite floor yet. But okay, not quite we'll floor. We'll give him one more. Not quite two, floor. Two tequila. <laughs> we, had a old, we had an older gentleman with a nice young lady with him, and he traveled up to the bar or the Stage. stage and thought he was going to yell at us to turn it down or something. He says, could you play Gloria? <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy, this guy was... Must have been about 90. 90. Yeah, he just... Okay. I was like... We were like, oh, crap, you know, too awkward. Everybody's like, what the hell? You we know? never played it before, but yeah. everybody's heard it so many times, you know. So well, it's awesome that you can do that, though. Yeah. No, so we played no, there. No, it was uh, Hulse and Rising Sun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was also a rising sun. Remember, they had the open bar, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I never so, remember when they have an open bar. So, but this was the Shriners Black Tie Affair, and they got us. And usually, if you see us, we're arguing and, you know, over-medicated from some reason or another. And people just... I was drinking single malt scotch, so I didn't argue with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> On an open bar tab? Yeah. Yeah. What's the most expensive tequila you have? I'll take that. Thank you. I usually freeze. When there's an open bar and I walk up to the bar, I'm what can I get you? Ten um, <laughs> red, white, and blue. Just give me a, I don't know, vodka soda. I don't, I don't know. Like, I panic? Yeah, the band ended up breaking up after that because of, uh, it's their black tie affair and it was a dress. They wanted us to dress nice for it. And uh, one of our guitar players at the time, he liked to wear his jeans and his uh, construction boots. He was grunge before there was grunge. He was, yeah. <laughs> That's my little brother. His Atlanta Rhythm Section <laughs> t-shirt. He's got long hair. And he's like, I ain't so buying no shirt. It's, it's safe to say you guys are above hipsters now. You were... Know, <laughs> They're too old to be hipsters. Are you kidding me? Beatnik. Our tagline not is not quite that old. Our tagline is uh, OGHF. Old oh, guys having fun. But let's see where else we played. Roscoe's. We played Archie Quinlan's. We played Jack's a few times. Izzy's. Izzy's. Whiskey's. Whiskey's. We played the River Inn. Uh, River Inn. Uh, Less Birds. Um, we were scheduled. We do a three piece, you know. Uh, me, so it's safe to play. say you've been around the block. Yeah, but they wouldn't let us on homegrown last year because we didn't have a thing for new bands. I was like, "What? We're not new, but okay." <laughs> oh, we played the tribute fest on it. Oh yeah, uh, that was one of our coolest things. The first live outdoor big thing we ever played the second uh, side stage at tribute fest, and we did Otis Redding tribute to the blues. So I got up there and dug out one of my dad's old peach-colored uh, polyester suits with the big collar and everything, and you know, went out there and we jammed it up, did a couple of Otis Redding songs. Still got that? Yep. 
Right on. We're for Halloween every now and then. But did that. It was it was a really good time. It was really walked out in front of the band that was playing and stopped his band's music. Oh, on the main stage. Guys were great. Yeah, the main guy on the main stage. He goes, Hey, wait, wait, wait. These guys are already in song on the main stage. He goes, Stop, wait, wait. See that guy right there? And I'm like, and people are, I'm just you know, standing there because I usually work security in the front of the stage. Yeah. So I'm just talking with the guys and stuff, you know. And the guy, the people start pointing at me and I'm like, what? And they're going, and I look and the guy's leaned over and goes, hey, what's your name? What's your name? Whatever. And I told him, and he goes, these guys killed it over there. And it's like, eh? we just got out of the living room, you know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of people, like you said, we play, we play for fun. We like it. You know, it's, we like money, but. You know, we played for burritos. But one night a week. Yeah, oh, yeah, one night. We used to say 7 to 10 in the West End because it's close to where the studio is. But one time we drove all the way to... Alexandria. Is that where it was? No, further than Alexandria. Hormel country, whatever, right on the border down there. Oh, well, do you know where Harmony Park is? Geneva. What? Geneva. Lake Geneva. Harmony Park. Anyway, it's Isn't way down. It's it's like 20, <laughs> 20 minutes from the Iowa border. We uh, got talked into going down there oh, to okay. play for um, Friends, Wedding. Friends Wedding. And there's supposed to be all these bands. And Our bass player quit people. a week before we went down there. Yeah, he just, we had practice, practice. He goes, I don't think he could do it. Can you get somebody else over a text? <laughs> so. Came a long way to play for six people. Yeah, we got all the way down there and it's like. We were the only band, pretty much, that was there. And, Even though there know, was 15 signed up. Yeah, 15 signed up. We were the only ones there. And it's like, looked around. And this this uh, campsite can hold like six 8,000 people. You know, it's a really big place. And it's like... The, Fish has played there. Yeah, Fish has played there and before. Yeah, uh, You know. Woo. <laughs> but uh, the campsite's like a... I mean, the fire pit. It was like, across the field, it's like almost three quarters of a block away and so we could see like 15 20 people around the fire and you know there's some guy and a kid on a wheeler sitting in front of us and uh that's what like he said uh, our guitar player jackson looks at us and goes wow long way to come to play a table <laughs> <laughs> like and we got free. paid for free yeah we got burritos and he didn't even eat any burritos yeah if you're doing an outdoor <laughs> thing though you gotta have the fire pit close enough to I mean, they usually have. Oh, well, maybe it was us. The well, crowd, were, crowd we draw. You, know. you were one of the only bands that actually played at Baystock this this last year. So was Dave? Was this your first time going there? Yeah, that was my first time. Yeah. And I didn't break my ankle. <laughs> oh, that was me. Was, oh yeah, that was me. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't break it. It was just it was, a really bad sprain. This is like year nine for me. Some shots. Absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna switch over to Jack Apple. Ooh. Crown Apple? Sure. Okay. You're, you're not experimenting with fourth tequila floor? No. No, the the whole left brain and ball thing a while ago. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now you you both are avid base stock goers, correct? I am. He's uh, like I said it was his first time. Okay. I was invited wow, twenty Took me, put it this way, it took me 24 years to get there. Oh, wow. From the time I was first invited. Like I said, I'm not well liked. Dave doesn't travel well anyway, so. Uh, yeah, well, the, this year was our first year, and, uh, you know, we're kind of hooked ever since we had Moon on the podcast. Uh, 
last year this year uh, I don't last know. season we'll this, go with last season we'll go with last I have... season it's been a very long year right um but you you know we went there and we met you there right. uh and your band was one of the only ones that uh forced their way onto a closed stage to entertain the crowd that still showed up thank you you're welcome it's Pretty that American ego thing, you know. And they like America. America. Yeah, uh, you guys did play the hell of a but show. But our drummer got lost, and he was uh, like 20 minutes late. Yeah, yeah, that's what we were scrambling, and, you know, I kind of wanted it to... Uh, and then the guys who played after us, they really wanted to get on stage. Yeah. So we had kind of, like you said, we kind of wedged our way in because promises had been made, yep. and people hadn't really followed through on what they said they were going to do, and... And it took everything I could to even get these guys there late, you know. <laughs> so and I was there on time. It, it's hard for somebody to tell somebody else, "Hey, you want to join me in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, for two or three days?" Cornet- By the way, your phone will cornucopia. <laughs> it's a destination. What's wrong with you? That's a great. Place. If you were a no, it's the name of that big thing that they got all that fruit in it. Oh, yeah. Um, Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Never mind. Corn of plenty. Can you guys uh, share some of the experiences you had at Baystock this year? Uh, somebody smashed my tailgate. <laughs> <laughs> somebody ran into my truck, too, so... Oh, with a golf cart really yeah just, i still feel responsible for that well, though because if are. i wouldn't have fallen in the damn hole Uh-oh. i wouldn't have had to been taken back to our campsite in a golf cart and it would never would have hit at least Johnny you didn't fall in the outhouse yeah that's true and that that's a legit fear but <laughs> daryl do you want another shot or Dave, i'm fine thank you i'm okay for a moment okay all right well we're doing this shot without the band Oh, we can toast it with you. Yeah, that's, we got, they got beer. Cheers is Cheers with beers is. It's not Cheers beer is. is with beers is. Here we go. No, that's just Bee Jesus. The Bee Jesus. Best disco album ever. Only good disco album ever put out. Saturday Night Fever. Oh, there's one bartender up at the Copacetic named Wade. Wade? Oh, yeah. It's Wade. He always plays uh, Donna Summers when he wants people to play the jukebox because it's like a 20 minute <laughs> song of just the most wretched ass disco which so one he, is it uh god i don't know i just remember it's donna summers i'm still Dave, you will forget this because i, I don't survive. need you i will survive i will could oh, be no i've, I've already no, put that that out no oh, yeah. i've already committed that one to memory um i mean typically if nobody's playing a jukebox when i'm in a bar i'll drop in some child in time by deep purple about 12 minutes long and it's just nothing but a screaming screaming match or welling I wouldn't even know how to describe how he's singing in that song but it's a good one to listen to so uh, Daryl you are um, you're also known for incredible Halloween costumes correct except the last two years on occasion shut up the last one it was alright yeah I've, I've won some pretty good contests so what are your, uh, some of your favorites and where did you get the inspiration for? Let's see. Marvin the Martian was a really good one. Samurai, Samurai, Samurai guy, uh, vampire killer. Oh, yeah. Then Blade? I, did, uh, I was Blade one year. That was pretty interesting because uh, 
I was working over across With the, the sunglasses here. on. You kind of look like him now, actually. It was easy. Very, very I had a long, very, very snipe. He didn't spend snipes. any time in prison, though. My yeah, true that. But you know, my dad was martial arts expert, so I had weapons and stuff like that. So I just went, put on some workout gloves and got some little cheesy teeth and put the shades on and put a samurai sword in my back. You know, and you brought a real I, samurai sword. Out? I wired it shut. Okay, <laughs> that is that 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 is the crux of my story. Okay. <laughs> So black guy in a that's your sto- that's your story. Wait a minute! No, 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 yo, no, 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 no! Seriously though. So we had been over, cut through the holiday and parked on the ramp, and we were going to RT Quillins. So, cut through, ran across the street. I was carrying my summer sword, run across the street, uh, avoiding traffic. Went there as we're coming back over uh, security in the holiday Inn is leaning up there atop the escalators, and both me and the guy that I went, we were previous uh, security at the holiday Inn. and so. Chick was kind of hot, so my friend's kind of a dog. So he's like, hey, nice pants, you know, because they're the cargo ones and everything. And he used to have to wear the polyester black things. But he got it, got them to change to wear their cargo pants and everything. He goes, yeah, I'm the one that uh, got that change where you can wear those, huh? She goes, oh, they're pretty cool. And we're over sitting there. And she goes, hey, you know, the cops are looking for you. <laughs> and I go, what? Me? She goes, I go, no. And she goes, yeah. She goes, yes, yeah, somebody called in and said there's a black guy running around downtown with a sword. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. It's well, Halloween. All right. That's all. I go, whatever. So we just went in the car, jumped in the car, and went down to uh, Dublin's. So we walk into Dublin's for their contest. Here's Jack Sparrow with a real cutlass out, swinging it around and taking pictures with people. I'm going, ha. <sighs> Black man's burden, I guess. That's some I don't bullshit. Know. <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't have a flight. Oh, yeah, I should have. <laughs> no. No, but seriously, it's just, it's like, I mean, it's nothing, but it's just, it just shows how people see what they want to see. Yeah. You know? Who's Jack I mean, Sparrow? Um, what's his face that I met over? In, what's his face? What's his name again? Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah, that dude. Yeah. Johnny Depp. I met him over in Superior once. Back, you met uh, Johnny Depp and some. He was at the Cove. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp and Michael Damien were at the Cove. Cove used to be a spot, a venue. Oh, over. Yeah. Uh I saw Edgar Winter over there at the Cove. All right, but um, the, they were having star parties. The radio station used to have this thing called the Star Party, where they, you know, it's a radio station would pump out somebody's music and everything, and then they'd bring the artists up and they'd uh, have like a mini little invite thing down at the deck where each artist would get up and do like a song or two their their hits and then you could walk along the side and get a meet and greet and pay extra or get something signed or whatever and so that was when Michael Damien was doing uh, that remake of uh, Rock and Roll Hey Kids Rock and Roll alright so he had done the remake of that and it was on the charts and so him and Johnny Depp were hanging out at the time that's when Johnny Depp was doing the 21 Jump Street thing and uh so I was standing there by the back door, and I was like, eh, you know, I just got out of service and everything. And it's like, look at this Johnny Depp walking by. I go, Johnny Depp. And he's like all sketched out because, you know, he's a Hollywood boy. And up here in the Great White North, everybody's all, <laughs> you know. And so it was kind of funny because the next time I saw him on, like, Letterman or one of those shows, he's got on the trucker hat, and he's got on his cutoff flannel and the 
t-shirt and everything and I'm like in his jeans I'm like oh I wonder where you got that look from there butch you know <laughs> <laughs> It was, you know, it was just weird, though. Yeah, Johnny Depp and like over in Superior. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around it, but the Cove was a huge thing. It was like a, it was, it was really a cultural, much the only place to go, kind of. So you know, like yeah. lines out the door. Yep. Remember Rio Pardo? The what? <laughs> this guy named Rio Pardo. He played at the Hotel Duluth. He played a trumpet, and he had people uh, doing a rumba behind him down Superior Street in yeah, Duluth. He, he would actually come out of the bar, playing his trumpet, and everybody doing the conga line down Superior Street, and they'd go into other bars, <laughs> come out, go back, you know, conga line all the way back to where he was going, get back on stage, and start it up again. That was probably, that would be late 70s when he was doing that. Uh, so late, the last yeah, one. right around 70-something. Man, We're old, remember? I thought it was a, an original idea I had when I would sing dirty drinking songs with a bunch of people walking from bar to bar, but apparently, <laughs> uh, no. No. Actually, um, I, you know that um, old Duluth uh, website or whatever it is. They had uh, mentioned him on there before, you know, and you know it's really cool. You know, I've been in Duluth since '67. I think my family moved here. I've so, been here since '54. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I seen Wendy O and the Plasmatics in Superior. These guys don't even know Wendy O and the Plasmatics are. She wore a, a black electrical tape over, over her nipples. nipples. She was she was one of the. I can get behind that kind of show. Back when uh, Buster Poindexter was with the Hollywood uh, with the New York Dolls, back in the old CBGB days, you hear about New York back in those days, and the, it was uh, early. It was kind of a cross between punk and yeah, who knows Stooges. what glam punk and art, you know? <laughs> because she'd come out with like a see-through plastic skirt on and stuff like that, with you know, like you said, with duct tape over her or. Electrical tape over nickel, nipples and stuff. You now know. you got to wear a meat dress. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been about 10 years since the old meat dress. Well, but still. So has you, it really been know, that long? It doesn't you, you get know, old. Oh my you know something called Is it real meat or is it that vegetable meat? It was probably it was vegetable meat. meat. It was it real like meat. flank steak or something. And it, I went, that's just wrong and so many levels. Free range beef, though. I would have ate it. Well, it's got to be... <laughs> That's the line of the set right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gaga. <laughs> All right, then. Um, I'm having a shot to that, Dave. Thank you for... That was... Yeah. Was that fitting? It was. It was great. Yeah, I mean, we're about ready for... Well, you'd, uh, you'd have to ask Lady Gaga if it fits, but, you know... <laughs> wow. If it fits, I sit. The boomerang, it... Right. See, I really uh, like Lady Gaga. She's a great singer. Yes, she is. You know, she did that jazz album with uh, Tony Bennett. And she's fantastic. And Tony Bennett loves her. And he's, what, 90 now or whatever. Actually, who I was he's really impressed with. Nicole Smith thing going on. <laughs> Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. That, that, I, you don't remember? I, I, I remember. Yeah, well, Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga, you know, the... Oh. Was it spring fall thing? You know, it's yin and yang. <laughs> yeah. Anna Nicole and her yeah. husband that's wait was Yeah, he was like a hundred and something. She's like in her forties. I love him. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. Maybe he loved her too. Maybe he did. If you remember to You know, it'd be nice to have a girl. Well, you, you know that you know she 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 died shortly after her, uh, the stress from all that her files. show. Yeah. 
It was a very entertaining show. Her reality show, though. We'll put that uh, on QAnon later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I've got a theory. Yeah. Dave, well, if you don't watch TV or as you put, when you walked in, analog? Analog. Uh, yeah. Where do you get your, I don't know, pop culture, input. your input? Your I read a lot. I mean, newspapers are... I read you still that. get a newspaper? Oh, yeah. All right. I haven't normally I touched a newspaper the in a long time. Except my damn paper boy didn't deliver it again today. I well, like that's the problem with this generation. It's a Sunday edition. It is, yeah. That's they the just only don't want to do their delivered. damn jobs. No, they don't. Uh, the first four uh, papers I got from Minneapolis Star, Star Tribune were my neighbor instead of me. So I got these papers, uh, you know, a month late. So I called them up and I said, hey, wrong address. So I didn't get one at all the next week. (laughs) (laughs) I get one all the week after that. And I said, I called them again. and They were pretty steady until this morning. Oh, man. It's snowed, man. The roads were dry. Do, do they still deliver newspapers? Yes, just not. Minneapolis like, Star Tribune does. Yeah, some people, not many. I, I think, think uh, Lewis. I, I still see the, the the paper Manny boys shopper. Yeah, delivering newspapers when I come home from the you know working at the bar. Are you like Herbert the pervert? You know, like Superior Telegrams. It's either that or they're looking at people's air, windows. I don't, I don't really know. In our region right. anymore, it's out of somewhere else. I forget where. I'm not going to um, even try to. Isn't that part of Pine Knotter or one of them? They took all the little local. Whatever, and yeah, their own little once a weekly thing. That's what I do. But uh, Rupert Mur- Murdoch's behind it all. Segway, uh, Johnny, you need to get some shots poured. Absolutely. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I got a really weird music the story for you. Really all right, let's hear the really weird music story. So I was working security down at Blues Fest. Um, gal that does all the bookings, you know, she's done from day one. Uh, my brother happened to be a roommate at one time of her and stuff, and so I was working security, and it was when they had the two tents down there. And so this one year they had, it was when Johnny Lang was first being discovered or whatever, and she brought him out. He was from North Dakota and everything. And um, Robert Gray had played the tent closest to Duluth, and I, I was doing security for the sound tent. And so Johnny played that day, and Robert Gray had you know, closed it down. So they closed that tent down, and buddy of mine comes walking by and I was like, hey, well, what are you doing? I go, I'm done, you know. So, well, let's go up on the main stage. I go, so I take my security badge and I throw it on him and I got my security shirt on. So we walk in back. Oh, my, oh, I had babysat Johnny Ling earlier that day because I'm sitting there and uh, the gal that does all the booking, Mickey, she goes, hey, wild child, do me a favor. I go, what's that? She goes, change his papers. Can you keep an eye on the kid? And I'm going, what? She goes, yeah. And I go, ah, you know, what am I going to do with him? She goes, don't have to do nothing just make sure he doesn't get in any trouble keep an eye on him so here i am bird dog and johnny lang while he's riding his bmx down all around bayfront and everything you know and so i'm keeping an eye on him and walk up to the or walk up to he was signing autographs so i'm standing there and this little girl's going i'm gonna be like him someday she's got this white guitar getting it signed i look at her dad and i go really huh you know just a little girl well it turns out it's uh, i think it was a young shannon kerfman at the time so I'm going, wow, that's kind of cool. So anyway, end up going that, later that night, like I said, with my buddy, we go on the main stage. Uh, Marshall Ball's the last act. So we get beers of the you know, VIP keg. 
go up and sit on the stage, you know, between the cops and all the speaker boxes and everything. And so the gal, Mickey, she looks over and she goes, well, child, you bring me one? And I go, well, yes, my queen gave her my beer. And I go, tell my buddy, don't move. I'll be right back. I go to the keg and there's this guy standing at the keg and he's got the tapper. It's just kind of just trickling. And I'm standing there and I'm looking at him, looking at the keg. What's it empty? You know, and looking at him. And I go, here, man. I go, lean over, pumped it a couple of pumps, starts going, oh, there you go. And so he starts pouring, pouring his beer, put my glass next to his beer, you know, and he starts pouring my beer. And I'm going, I got it, dude. And he goes, are you sure? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, I got it. So I take the tapper from him and I'm looking at him like, kind of, this is weirdo, you know, I can't even do a gag, you know, finishing up my beer. And as he's walking away, I get a glimpse of him, side view. Well, he looks familiar. And I'm like, and I almost said, hey, what's your name, man? But then, like, three steps, he's into the darkness. I was like, whatever, shh. Go back up on the main stage and sit there with my buddies. This is the best blues fest I've ever been to. You know, we're, like, 10, 20 feet from Marshall on the main stage. And then, uh, like, a week later, talking about how good the fest was that year, and um, somebody goes, yeah. They, uh, Eric Clapton was singing down at the uh, Red Lion with one of his bodyguards because, you know, Red Lion, anywhere else in the world, the Red Lion is one of the oldest pubs in, you know, in Britain and all that, in Isles and stuff, you know. And so I went, shit, that's the dude at the keg. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was Clapton. And I'm like, how could I, but who would think they were going to run an Eric Clapton at, at 11 o'clock, <clears throat> Bayfront, in the rain, tapping a beer. Duluth. In Duluth, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, sure as shit, man. I was like, wow, what a, you know, I felt like a dumbass. But um, then right after that, thank you. But then right after that, they... Um, that, that, that was honestly probably the best way you could have met Eric Clapton and vice versa for him as well. Well, I wish I would have well, went on if, that instinct and said, hey, man, what's your name, dude? Or it's even, you probably know, thought it was honest or not. that you didn't say anything. No, exactly, because probably you probably would have really... turned into just another fan at that point. Right. And while... The fact that he had to ask him his name. Well, that yeah, well, it was just... That was really just, cool. just, oh, Eric that was just Holy weird, shit, though. Man. It was like... Didn't see that coming, you know. I was like, and probably if you would have asked him his name, you were so involved with the keg, you would have been like, "Oh, Eric, it's good hey, to hey, meet Eric, you. Nice to meet you, man. Hey, Enjoying the show. You're, you're well, really these guys like, are pretty Mother. good. Yeah, oh. right. I'd have gone. Yeah, we got a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of the same way I met Willie Nelson. Yeah, yeah. That was fourteen years old, and we were driving to Sturgis with my dad because it was my grandma's last hurrah, and she wanted to see the the. Black Hills and Mount Rushmore, yeah. and we're following behind this rot box fucking Toyota Corolla, and it pulls off at the same freaking place that we are. And the, on the back it says Sturgis or bust, and out comes this beautiful blonde, just you know, stunning woman, and fucking Willie Nelson, and just a fucking just cloud of smoke out of this <laughs> out, of, out of this Toyota Corolla, and yeah, fucking Willie Nelson on his way to fucking Sturgis to play back when he was having his tax problems. He right. probably bought like a <laughs> downsized a little bit. Yeah, brought, <laughs> bought like a shitty fucking Toyota Corolla, and he had his one you know groupie girlfriend yeah. at the time. And right. yeah, it was weird to see him somewhere between Wall Drug and Sturgis. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you forget that that people like, you know celebrities are people. Yeah, well, I found do out things, like um, drive Toyota Corolla. Found out several years ago. Don't know how to use kegs. Uh, you know, since before my mother passed, I found out several years ago that Willie Nelson actually fed me when I was six months old. Really? Yeah. My, nipple? My, <laughs> not with his nipple, no. 
What did, it, what did he feed you? It explains uh, yeah. a bottle. A bottle. If it was yeah, a baby nipple, bottle. Weird. <laughs> it was his mother's nipple. Or cooler. I don't know. Um, Way cooler. So, you know, but oh back when God. I was an infant, my father, he worked on the, worked for the railroad. You know, he replaced railroad tracks. And so. Me too. Oh, Dave did as well. Uh, well, we were in Kentucky, and my parents uh, took me and my sister to a pig picking. Now, I'm six months old. My wow. sister is maybe four years old. Uh, pig picking is basically a big redneck party at somebody's barn. They literally put a pig on a spit. When it's done, you just pick off the pig. And they have bands. Well, Willie Nelson was there and played. Later that night, my mom and dad are sitting around a fire with Willie and a bunch of other people smoking a joint. And Willie goes to pass her a joint. My mom's like, no, I can't. I'm feeding the baby. And he took me from my mother with the bottle. It was like, smoke that fucking joint. <laughs> it was feeding me as a kid. I'm like, oh, that explains everything. Uh, so your mom I took a hit off of Willie Nelson's joint. Oh, well, I'm sure she smoked a lot with Willie that night. Hmm. Uh, PSA, my parents were very responsible, never had me around any drugs or alcohol. <laughs> Except that one time. <laughs> that was a fluke. I lived in Texas for almost a couple years, Austin, and I was up in the hill country, and we stopped at this bar up in the hill country, and Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson were there, and I said, buy the two guys a beer and then uh, me and my little brother had to leave and didn't say nothing to him or anything just bought him a beer just who hasn't met Willie Nelson here me wow oh, that's no. like that's weird <laughs> I have my photo taken with Toby Keith in the UP not, not the same thing <laughs> yeah, at yeah, all no. did he have one of these in his hand red solo no. cup <laughs> I fill you up but I did have front row seats to his concert in the UP of Michigan it was as exciting as it sounds. Yeah, that, that, that sounds a lot like that time I was. Sounds a lot Sorry. like that time I was went to go see the Paulding Light and was told it was going to be super exciting and just looked like traffic in the distance. I mean, the concert itself, I will say, was a good concert. He sounded good and whatever, but it was it was very vanilla. Well, on that note, let's do another shot. Uh, it's probably actually close to the last one. Come on, reach for it. Go. Gotta want it. I've uh, fallen off a bar before, but not into a bar, so I ain't reaching. <laughs> a special kind of drunk if you fall into a bar. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen people fall upstairs before, so I, I suppose yeah, it's not I've, impossible. I've, I've fallen upstairs. I've never fallen, fallen downstairs before. Huh. I have. <laughs> well, Nikki, you also found the deepest hole at Baystock and decided to fall into it. <coughs> well, she was staring at the light. The light was the, the outhouse. You are so lucky it wasn't the old outhouse hole. <laughs> yes. It, it could have been. It, it they built been. a building it around it. It might have been. It, it okay. settled a little. Touch so you're from North Carolina. Yeah. Kakalaka! I used to be at Le Camp Lejeune. Uh, when did you get up here? Oh, Jesus, about 11 years ago. 11 years ago? 11, 12 years ago. Does he like it? Oh, yeah, I'm enjoying the sunshine and tropical weather up here. Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> like that? From one day to the next? Yes. He he did question his, uh, w- with the recent of his father and going down to North Carolina to be with family. When we came home, he did question 
why why you made the return trip because we went from 80 (laughs) degrees to 30 and it just it was really like a very surreal moment see i was born in tampa florida my dad was in the air force so i moved from florida when i was four to okinawa japan so then i lived in japan fish lived in japan until i was eight and then i went from japan from florida to japan to duluth minnesota in the winter in the yeah when it was september when we got here how then old were you August, i was eight oh, okay. I got you. so you had no choice yeah well i, I, came, I came up here uh december 15th 2008 yep i came from austin texas just finished my fifth year managing a carnival and in the carnival you follow the heat you mm-hmm. follow the sun you know the, the warm weather so i didn't own anything winter all I had was shorts and t-shirts, maybe a pair of khakis. You're more of a summer anyway. I, I get off the plane. It is negative 10 with wind chill, and I was fucking cold. We can tell you've been up here a while because you said wind chill, not windshield. In the windshield, eels. <laughs> uh, Easy, Bubba. I'm embarrassed. I'm, I, I'm embarrassed how long it took me to realize that it was a wind chill, not windshield factor, and I've lived here my entire life. <laughs> Sweet, because I'm a blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> Earth girls really are easy. <laughs> oh, Nick, if it wasn't for your vagina that I could just climb into oh my plenty God. of room. Well, I guess that's one way to stay warm. <laughs> How do you think? We're going to do the tauntaun method. How did you beat me to it? I would swear. I swear. I went, no, I better not say that. When I tell you what, I can really wrap up in those meat curtains as well. John, I swear. I don't know what Tauntaun is either. Star Wars reference. It's when Han Solo cut open that big thing he was riding on and stuffed Luke in it. And he cut it open and pulled the guts out. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Oh, God, Dave. Not this Dave. Not this time. Yeah, Dave's, Dave's not here. Dave's not here. Wow. I went to uh, Cheech and Chong. Dave's not here. We're all hammered. And a friend of friend of mine had an Opal Cadet. He had a brand new date. We turned his car over on the side. Then we went to see uh, two thousand one Space Odyssey. Yeah, two thousand one, and it was just totally sorry. quiet. And Dave. Dave, and I'm screaming, Dave's not here. It was the opening night of 2001 Space Odyssey. Dave's not here. So everybody's laughing at me, of course. I can't do that, Dave. I can't either. I tried twice. So back to the Tauntaun. I can't do that, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. We love you, Nikki. Canceled. Sheesh. You know, when, <laughs> sport, I, when you shave your head, you do kind of look like a big baby. I know. <laughs> that was That's what I was going for, you know. Who can ditch a baby? A lot of people, actually. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nicki that's Minaj. That's adoption good. agencies. Yeah, this isn't prom night, Dave. This is barstool banter. <laughs> Before we close things out, uh, just a couple questions. First off, uh, do you guys have any gigs lined up in the near future? COVID killed the... Uh, Video star. It's really tough, you know, because um, with the restrictions, you know, first it was what fifty percent and blah blah blah. So why, you know, the bands don't want to take less money unless they just play for shits and giggles. Yeah, but you didn't go to Wisconsin and catch COVID, you know. 
Shatterheads don't care. No. So well, you just got to drink enough whiskey. Oh, that's the cure. That's or bleach. And you're not playing. You're not playing for burritos anymore. All right. No, we well we played at Jack's a few times uh, over. You know, because that's outdoors. Yeah. And there's enough room where people can get away from each other and everything. But I can't get far enough away from him though. No. <laughs> um, you just um, it's not. You know, the bar, bar owners, you know, they're just taking it. You know, if they got to pay the band, have half the customers there, sell half the liquor. So, you know, it's nice. We could probably go out as a three-piece. We do that on occasion. We call ourselves the AE3 Project because we're, like, really, really. We started amazing. out as an acoustic band, just three of us. Okay. And so then it's like, hey, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. So. And then... Uh, I found two bass players, and one of them wasn't good enough, so my uh, the other guitar player fired him, which was my nephew. And then we had this Wade, who's really good. Crom? Uh, Crom. I met Wade. Um, I met Wade at bass. Yeah, we met Wade. Black Dog Holland. Yeah. Wad, wad with an E? Yeah. Wad with wad an, with an e. e. That's what Dave named him, Wad with an E. Carver with a K and Wad with an E. <laughs> he didn't like that too much until after he got to know me. Now he hates it. <laughs> so the next time I see him, call him Wad with an E. Dave says, hey, Wad with an E. Well, I hate to put you guys on the spot, but we are a bar podcast. Would you like to perform a song for us? Okay. Sure. 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 Okay, so Sound we're bite. going to take a few minutes for Kane to get the mic set up. We're going to end the show um, with a live performance from American Ego. I was close. I've had three tequilas and two, three whiskeys. If you guys want to, if somebody wants to book you too, just you got like a Facebook page that we're on uh, Facebook at American Ego Music Duluth. So scroll through our page and find some uh, hashtags to link it up. Okay, was that the one we wrote when we were drunk on the porch that day? <clears throat> one of them. Ready when you are, okay. sir. The song's called uh, Baby Said. A little original. She walked right out the door Yeah, my baby said she don't love me Then she walked right out the door Well, I don't care anyhow Cause she ain't welcome out here no more Said she don't love me Cause I'm a low down dirty man Yeah, my baby said she don't love me Cause I'm a low down dirty man 
and bow. I give her love the best I can. She don't love me Says she don't like Some things I do Yeah, my baby says She don't love me Says she don't like Some things I do If I don't change my ways Baby told me that we'll be through She don't love me Yeah, girl said she don't love me Yeah, my baby said she don't love me Then she walked right out the door Well, if my baby don't really love me why she keep coming back for more? Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, Catch us at American Eagle Music Duluth. Peace out, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Much love. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. And strike. And cut. <laughs>